0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As a business owner of an aquaculture company, today we will talk about three P's, people, passion, and performance. Welcome to episode six, season seven of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, we are happy to have Giles Cadman of Cadman Capital. Welcome to the show, Giles.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast.
0: It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure that you're able to go on. I know how busy you are. Cadman Capital is uniquely positioned to source high quality companies in attractive market segments not currently considered by larger mid-market private equity players. And they focus on the 5 million to 25 million enterprise value space that sits above private companies but below the radar of larger funds. So, welcome again, Gel. So, let's get the show started. And I want to ask you my first question If money were not a factor, what unconventional or outlandish investment would your firm pursue and why?
1: <laughs> that is a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> if money wasn't an object, I'm, I'm sure my um, finance team would be horrified. One of my principles is always about fiscal discipline, especially in this space. Um, I'm drawn to aquaculture because at heart I'm a fisherman. And to me, restoring Atlantic salmon, restoring the wild fishery to allow You know grandfathers to take their grandchildren out fishing as i did with my grandfather and so to me the the biodiversity benefit of restoring our wild fisheries is probably more important than anything else not from commercial fishing perspective but from a um, purely enjoying recreational fishing and so if we can do that then i think we're, we're, we're changing the world quite quickly
0: Wow, I know we started with a very deep question right off the bat because just for our audience before this show got started we were just talking about Giles' um, other businesses but you mentioned two words that really resonated with me when with your answer that's fiscal discipline and your heart as a fisherman so maybe you can expand more on that.
1: Of course, so as a little boy as a four-year-old I would go fishing with my grandfather and Watching an ecosystem come alive in an estuary, it, it stuck deeply in my heart. And, you know, there's, I was always freezing cold and wet and pretending I wasn't, because obviously I wanted to just have the time with my grandfather. I never complained, even though I was um, wet and cold. But look, those treasured memories have connected me to the ocean all my life. I grew up next to the ocean. My mother would open the window. So we would hear the waves washing onto the stones right on the beach. And that's how I got to sleep. And so I have a connection to the ocean. I'm always going to have a connection to the ocean. So when I started to realize that our oceans were in danger, and I didn't, I never understood this. I never understood that the rising sea temperature, me not catching any fish and climate change were connected. And then in um, 2017, September the 6th, which is bizarrely my mother's birthday. Um, the, my, the, the British Virgin Islands was destroyed by Hurricane Irma, so my home, um, the home of 4,000 people in the BBI raised to the ground. And hurricanes are that, that way that nature does to, to cool the oceans, takes the energy out of the oceans and, and cools them. And for me, it was a moment in time where and it took two to three months. it wasn't like. Bam! Um, all of a sudden, I understood climate change. But from going from being a classic investment manager, investment banker, worrying about not a lot other than enjoying my life, I realised that with my background in agriculture, my background in investment, I could do something to help arrest the decline in um, our ocean health. So that that is what I am driven by to to build businesses that will cool our waters and so that's yeah sorry
0: no oh good very good story i was just so excited because that's one thing i love about doing the show is hearing dc stories from the people who are on the show and that makes a big difference. So what makes this industry very interesting is the story behind the people. And you're very correct. I was just in the aqua farm in Melbourne talking about what's the Renaissance man or woman right now in this day and age. And he was talking exactly that, you know, having a high impact, high insight to be able to have a high income and to be able to give back to people and that's exactly what this is all about which leads me to my second question which is probably the opposite of the story you just said because obviously private equity firms are often associated with financial gains and strategic decision making but what impact do you think your firm has on the social fabric of the communities in which it invests
1: there's a there's almost a disconnect between conservation Um, wild fishery and agriculture and so what I've tried to do is reconnect that and so in in the Virgin Islands I'm very closely connected to the fishing community the wild fishing community and it was out of a desire to build businesses for the the other generations of long-standing fishing families to go into it so agriculture in community and community-based projects was crucial to me so if I could build a platform that these longstanding fishing families had a future and a commercial future. So these modular systems, these small systems that can be grown through fishing cooperatives to me is, is absolutely fundamental to the growth of the industry and providing, um, providing food and, and, and dealing with food insecurity that we're all concerned about today.
0: That is so good because I was just thinking along the same lines of when people talk about the sustainable development goals in our industry, it always talks about number 14, which is life below water and has forgotten number 17, which is partnership for the goals, which again, at this digital decade, a lot of people, and I love the word you mentioned, is connecting. And the theme that seems to be happening in my day-to-day is flow. And when you're talking about communities of having to connect wild conservation, wild fisheries and aquaculture, I think you're at some point there where uh, everybody in this fragmented industry has to realize it's not one or the other. It has to be a hybrid and emergence of all three of them instead of one or the other. So thank you for bringing that up, which leads me to my next question, private equity firms typically. typically focus on maximizing returns for their investors. How do you ensure that your investment decisions also align with ethical considerations and contribute positively to the greater societal good?
1: My entire philosophy is a holistic approach. And profit is, is key because without profit, we can't grow our businesses, we can't sustain our businesses. So I, I am absolutely profit-focused. So when I look at a business, I need to understand that the founders are commercially driven. Now, there's a lot of mission focused um, businesses out there. And what I've been able to do is go, yeah, the the mission is really important. And if you generate a lot of profit, you don't have to go and buy a big yacht or an airplane. (laughs) You can put that money back into community-based projects. You can do restoration and to try and get these founders, these brilliant founders that are mission-driven to understand that profit isn't actually a bad word. It's a really good word because it enables us to grow. And uh, my father told me a long time ago, um, uh, we were talking about the environment and he said, look, Joss, no one's gonna bother saving the planet until they can make money doing it. And so the profit is key and creating businesses that are organized, that are structured. To your other question about fiscal discipline, every dollar that comes into a business has to be controlled and and managed properly. I I often think of a story where somebody said to me a long time ago, oh, don't worry, I will treat the money as though it's my own. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) Treat it as though it's my money. (laughs) It's it's my money. Every single cent has to be carefully invested. And so to get that philosophy into founders, because the only way we're going to do this is to back founders. So what we're able to do and what we've done at Ertanomics is literally helicopter our team in place to put in, put in place the controls and the systems and the protocols to make sure that we, every, every, every cent that we invest gets a return. And I think when traditional private equity firms see that and see that it can be done i think money will flood into the segment but the starting point is getting some controls in place and harnessing the power and the energy of the founder but in a fiscally disciplined logical structured and organized way and it's a battle (laughs) you know i can see you're laughing because you know you know the same you know what this is like. It's a difficult, it's a difficult argument to make.
0: Very, very good point as well in terms of, and I would never have imagined this 15 years ago when I started in this industry that you can actually say in one sentence holistic profit sustainability and growth because it was <laughs> <laughs> so. Thank you for bringing that up. But on that point, you also mentioned about. Getting that money so that you can give it back for community-based project, which is the mission-based. But you also um, mentioned a very good point in terms of in this industry. You probably really know EMIF which was from Michael Gerber originally, we're talking about a lot of founders are technicians. And so to be able to give them a backing, a structure, so that their brilliance can be just used in terms of what their unique ability is. And then you have a system protocol and discipline in place. I always say to people before when I started this industry, a vision or a mission without a structure is a mere dream because it's not going to function well. So you, you really drive that home. So my last question to you is then you mentioned a lot of things about your family, your mom, your father, your grandpa. maybe you can talk a little bit about your family office and, um, what the mission is behind that. And then obviously wrapping up with the aquaculture side of things of where that is.
1: So being a founder, you know, I founded businesses, started businesses. I think I really understand what it takes to get through those early years. And my family office is about going to businesses that aren't quite there, that need a bit of polishing. For example, my family office acquired um, the majority stake in economics because it wasn't really investable at the time we approached it. I, need, I knew there would, be a, a, there would be a lot of work And so what I try and do with the family office is get in really early stage and polish the businesses to get them into an investable state. And I kind of have a like a six point plan um, when I'm evaluating these businesses and they're quite simple. You know, do the founders understand the mortality factors in their chosen species? Are the founders commercially driven? Is it a scalable, modular system that can be replicated? You know, what intellectual property can be monetized? And in these early stages, you can see these businesses and you can see what the potential is, but they might not realize it. Um, to me, it needs to make some kind of an impact for the family office to get involved. Um, what problem is it going to solve in food insecurity or um community that's really important to me i don't like to see um local fisheries closing people moving into cities i i have a really strong sense that our rural communities will keep our um keep our lives wholesome and then my sort of final point is i want to be involved in things that taste great you know i've always been involved in businesses that are beautiful you know i own a vineyard I make beautiful wine. It was essential for me that if I'm involved in an aquaculture species, it tastes wonderful. <laughs> so that, that, they're the kind of the six key things that I look at when I'm um, evaluating it from the family office perspective. Very few businesses are in a position for our private equity firm just to go straight into it. Very few in, in, in these early stages. The sub-5 million that you, that you talked about earlier.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Giles. The biggest takeaway I have from our conversation was when you were talking about really your heart being as a fisherman. And I know it's now also probably an aquaculturist and also a community builder for that matter, because it's not just one or the other. How can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, via my LinkedIn, I think is probably the best place. Yeah, via my LinkedIn. Um, and I love to hear from people, you know, and I'm, I've happy to advise people in, in how they can get their project to an investable stage
0: thank you so much again please remember to review the show and see you next week remember you help build a home in the philippines every time we launch an episode on the podcast thanks child thanks everyone
1: bye for now thank you very much for having me thank you
0: thank you for listening and i hope you are inspired from this episode Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.